Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Finding God in the Music. Used to be finding God on your iPod. That was cool because it rhymed, but now we can't find our iPod, so, you know. We have to have a sort of boring title for it because we can't come up with something cooler than finding God in the music. And uh, don't give me your suggestions. We're just going to keep it finding God in the music. And if you don't know, that is my annual summer sermon series where I explore Spiritual themes found in contemporary music. This is the 14th season. There's already been 79 of these done. 79 song sermons. If you're interested in the playlist on my Spotify, there is a Finding God in the Music anthology that has all 79 songs. I'll add the 80th after after we do this service today. And I do this because it gives me a chance to lean into art as a medium for theology. Theology, that is how we think and speak about God as revealed in Christ. It can be done academically and it can be done artistically and we need both. I don't see them in competition with one another. Uh, I appreciate the contributions of academic theology, but sometimes I like an artistic approach to how we think and talk about God. I also do it because it's fun. I enjoy doing it. I don't think it's gimmicky. Um, It comes from a very genuine place in my own soul. Music means so much to me, and it's just such a part of my life. And I just, I do know that it's popular, and I know that a lot of onliners, you know, as I travel and speak other places, I'll meet someone who says, oh yeah, I'm a part of the online congregation of Word of Life, and I'll ask, how did you first find us? And so much, he says, well, somebody told me about this pastor that does this stuff with music, and I, I started listening to those. That's, so I know it's, it's popular, and so that's why I continue to do it. I mean, the fact is, I would do what I do whether I preach on it or not. I'm just, my life is that way. I'm always paying attention to music and looking for certain themes, and I'll think about it and meditate on it. Uh, so it's just a part of my life that I bring to you generally during the month of August. Uh, and by the way, just so you'll know, the songs I pick, this is not a democratic process. <laughs> uh, I pick them. I don't really take suggestions. Uh, and they, they're, they're in a pretty narrow genre, okay? It's, it's the kind of music I like. I'm not thinking, well, how can I be very you know, wide in my genres? I'm not going to do that. So there won't be any pop music because I loathe it. And it, 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 just, it just won't move me. And so I have to speak from a place of inspiration. I can't, I can't be assigned a song and then do something. I could, but, but it wouldn't ever have much energy to it. I have to be inspired by the songs. And they just come to me. I don't have to look for them too much. They just happen. I go, oh, I could use that one. Uh, so we're starting today. There'll be five Sundays today and then all the Sundays in August. So we have five songs, five sermons, and all five come from the last two years. This is, all, this is contemporary. This is right now music. We're not reaching back to the 60s or the 70s. This is right now. Um, which means this is art 
from the time of coronavirus. See, what's happened is, you know, March 2020, it all hit, and then we're quarantined for a long time, and bands are just kind of sitting around. They're not even together necessarily. And then they think, okay, we've got to write some music. And what's happened, in, especially in 2022, there's just been a flood of all these bands now coming out with their album that they produced during COVID. And there's so, there's so much like a tidal wave of good music. I'm even having a hard time keeping up with all the music I want to pay attention to. But all these songs are from the 2020s. Um, and all the five songs that I've chosen acknowledge the challenging times in many ways that we are living through, but they are also all hopeful in their own way. You know, I pray every day the prayer of St. Francis, where there is despair, let me bring hope. And so that's going to happen, I think, in, these, in this season of finding God in the music. All right, who is, who is the artist, the first artist up? Well, this is my favorite band. And I'm not like all time. It's not Led Zeppelin, you know. I don't, it, it's, it's my current favorite band. Been my favorite band for the last two years, Fontaine's D.C., now, if you follow me on social media, you, you probably that's not a surprise because I've been kind of an ambassador for Fontaine's DC. They are a, uh, they're young. They are an Irish post-punk band just formed a few years ago uh, from Dublin. That's what the DC, they, they called themselves Fontaine's because they like Johnny Fontaine and the Godfather. And for a while they were just the Fontaine's. Just Fontaines. And then, then they found out there was also a band in L.A. called Fontaines. So they changed it to Fontaines D.C., which stands for Dublin City. They're an Irish band. Uh, they met in college and bonded over their shared love of poetry. Very Irish thing. And it was, so it wasn't necessarily music that drew these five musicians together. It was their shared love of poetry. They released their first album in 2019. Their second album in 2020 was released exactly two years ago today, uh, July 31st, 2020. And that album was Grammy nominated for best rock album of the year. It did not win. It should have. I don't have a vote in the Grammys. I don't know why. Somebody figure out why I don't have a vote in the Grammys. I should. Um, their third album was released earlier this year, Fia. Love that album. Uh, the song I'm choosing, though, comes from that second album that was re released two years ago today. The title track from that album, A Hero's Death. That's the name of the album, and that's the name of the song that I've chosen. And I'm going to show you the video in just a moment. The video is not a slick, limp-synced uh, production. It's the band, it's, you, this is, I hope you don't find this traumatic. It's going to take you back to the quarantine era. Remember when we were all just like in our own houses and we only saw each other through little screens and it's, it was, it was recorded at that time. And this, that's when they did this video just prior to their album coming out, but they couldn't, you know, be together. And so they're each in their own spot and they're really, I mean, they're actually playing this. This is not the same as what you'll hear on the record. This is them playing the song for this video live, as it were. And uh, it's a great song. What else I want to say? Uh, you're going you're to hear, we'll put the lyrics up on the video, except for the repetitious line, life ain't always empty. Life ain't always empty. Life ain't, you're going to hear that 24 times. We didn't put that up. 
so you'll see the lyrics on the video. Um, the line, a hero's death, from which the title comes, comes at the very end of the song. And due to copyright laws, we cannot stream the video online to you all out there. Because if this has happened before, we learned the hard way. If we do that, we run the risk of the whole thing getting shut down. Just it's Facebook, YouTube, they just shut it down. And so we can't do that. But you can still see the video. You go to word of line, no, WOLC.com, you know, our website, WOLC.com slash music videos. There it is there. And uh, I'm sure that Megan, or whoever's hosting the online congregation this morning, will drop that in the comments on Facebook and YouTube. All right, so what else to say? I think that's, I think that's it. Uh, Fontaine's DC, back in the days of quarantine, doing the song, A Hero's Death. Life ain't always empty. Life ain't always empty. 
always empty. Life ain't always empty. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Life ain't always empty. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Ain't always empty. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Life ain't always empty. What is the purpose of life? The purpose of life is to live. The purpose of life is to actually live your life. To live on purpose, to live well, to live intentionally, not just let life just happen. You've been given, every one of you, a wonderful gift. The wonderful gift of being that is your life. You've been given that. Don't Be cynical about it. Don't do that. I I actually think that's a great sin. You've been given this great gift of being, this wonderful gift of your life. Don't be cynical about it. Be grateful. Be thankful that you have been invited to the party of being. This is what... Brian Chatton's lyrics are about. That's the singer-lyricist for Fontaine's DC. This song, lyrically, is a poetic meditation on some of the things that constitute a well-lived life. And the lyrics have an emphasis on love, family, friendship, passion, and being true to yourself. If we live that way, we're all in the running for a hero's death, which is a poetic way. It's an expression, an idiom for 
you come to the end of your life and it was well lived. You're in a position to hear well done. Well done. I want to go over the lyrics again just real quick. Just I want you to hear them one more time. Life ain't always empty. Don't get stuck in the past. Say your favorite things at mass. I like that. Don't get stuck in the past. It's easy. The older you get, the easier it is to get stuck in the past. Don't do it. Stay right here. Keep living today. Don't get stuck in the past. Say your favorite things at mass. Good Irish Catholic boy. Tell Nina to go to church. Amen to that. Tell your mother that you love her. Go out of your way for others. See, the themes are family, friendship, love. Sit beneath a life that suits you and look forward to a brighter future. Life ain't always empty. Sink down as far as you can be pulled up. Happiness really ain't all about luck. That's a good line. Yeah, I know there are the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. There is the reality of both the cruel and kind vagaries of life. Happiness can come suddenly and leave just as quick. And there is a certain amount of accident that contributes to our happiness or lack thereof. But happiness ain't all about luck. Here's what I've learned. There, there's, there's about three things you really need to be happy. And I'm not going to be over spiritual about this or overly religious. I think there's about three things you really need to be happy. And none of them is a million dollars. What you need is you need something to be passionate about. Something to look forward to. And someone to share it with. You got those three things. Something to just be excited about. And to give, you know, passion, I care about this. Passionate. Something to look forward to. And someone to share it with. You're in a running for a hero's death. Let your demeanor be your deep down self. Don't sacrifice your life for your health. When you speak, speak sincere and believe me, friend. Everyone will hear. It's true. Life ain't always empty. Bring your own two cents. Never borrow them from someone else. Buy yourself a flower every hundredth hour. Throw your hair down from your lonely tower. See, that's, that's that someone to share it with. Some of you need to break out of your self-imposed isolation. Put yourself out there a little bit more. Throw your hair down from your lonely tower, Rapunzel. Somebody out there wants to know you. Mm -hmm. And if, and if you find yourself in the family way, give the kid more than you got in your day. Life ain't always empty. Never let a clock tell you what you got time for. It only goes around and around and around like that line. Take your family name for your own great sins because each day is where it all begins. And don't give up too quick. You only get one line. You better make it stick. If we give ourselves to every breath, we're all in the running for a hero's death. Life ain't always empty. Amen. I, I just, I love that. Sometimes life is hard. Not all the time, but sometimes. We acknowledge that. We're not, we're not being naive about this. Yet, life always remains this precious gift. It's the gift of you. The wonder that you are. You have not been left out of the party. You're not missing out. You've been invited. You've been... You've been called out of the dread abyss of non-being into the beautiful mystery of existence. I don't think we, I don't know that we meditate on that enough. And I think if we will, you have, not, you have not been left in the dread abyss of non-being. You've been called into the beautiful mystery of existence. God is the eternal I am. 
But because you've been invited to the party, you can say, I am too. I've been invited. God is the eternal I am. I'm not eternal from past, but I've been invited to the party. So when God says I am, I can say, I am too. A little philosophy here for just a second. Why is there something instead of nothing? Why is there something instead of nothing? Because God said, let there be. That's the only answer to the question. A cosmos of contingent causes that clearly had a beginning only comes from a transcendent, non-contingent being that we tend to call God. That's your philosophy lesson for the day. But let's move more towards theology. Why is there something instead of nothing? Because God, because God said, let there be. But why does God bother? I mean, God in, in the triune nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not in need. So why does God bother to say, let there be? Because God is love and love must be expressed. So all that is comes from a God of love who in love says, let there be. And every time he says, let there be, he sees it and says, it's good. Hallelujah. Frederick Buechner says it like this. The grace of God means something like, here is your life. You might never have been, but you are. Because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It is for you I created the universe. I love you. It's beautiful. You might have never have been, but you are. Because the party wouldn't be complete without you. Amen. Jesus' first miracle was not one born of dire necessity. It was to turn water to wine at a wedding and prolong the party. It wasn't to heal a leper, someone's blind, my little daughter, she's died, not that. It's just they're, they're starting to run out of wine at the wedding feast. And Jesus says, ah, I want the party to go on. And he turns water to wine. At the bottom of being, we find love. In the alpha and omega of existence, we find love. It all comes in origin from a God of love, loving and loving in a way that moves God to speak and say, let there be. And to the degree that we align ourselves and our own lives with love, to that degree we begin to love, well, because there is a grain to the universe, because it all comes from God, who is love, who speaks in love, and out of love says, let there be. There's a grain to the universe. So that if we go with the grain of love, we, that tends toward wellness. That, that tends to help things go better. If we go against the grain, we're going to go against the grain of the universe. I'm not going to love God with all my heart. 
I'll make myself my own God. I'm not going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to use my neighbor. Well, then we're going against the grain. And over the course of a lifetime, we will suffer the shards of self-inflicted pain. You can call this the wrath of God if you like. The Bible does. But it's simply going against the only disposition that God has toward you, and that is love. God is never not loving you. Go against that love and it hurts. Go with that love, it tends towards well-being. To the degree that we align our life with love, to that degree we begin to live well. So we have basically two commandments. Everything else is just an extrapolation of that. To love God with all of our heart, to be worshipers. And I think it begins with, it begins with gratitude. That's why I'm emphasizing this. You have been given this wonderful gift, the invitation into beingness. You've not been left in the abyss of non-being. You've been invited to the party. You've been, you've been hurled into the beautiful mystery of existence. And be, so be grateful for it. Say, God, I thank you. I thank you. Yeah, there's, uh, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulties, but you can make it. God is with you. God is with you. It's worth it. So love God. That's the first commandment. And then out of that flows the... We try to learn to love others as ourselves. We're not selfish. I want, I want good things to come my way. Well, I, then I'm going to work to help good things come to other people. The goodness that I share in, I want others to participate in. If we selfishly prioritize our own personal happiness, happiness remains elusive. We Americans, you know, talk about the, the pursuit of happiness. You know, like, like there's, that's an inalienable right or something. Okay, but here's, here's, here's some sage advice. If you dedicate your life to pursuing happiness, you'll probably never catch it. That's not a, that's not a noble call. That's not noble enough to live for. I want you to be happy, but I don't want you to, prior, I don't want you to selfishly prioritize that. Unless you... Love, your life will flash by the tree of life. Unless you love, you're, you're, just, you're chasing after happiness and we think it's going to come a certain way and so we pursue it and pursue it and it just, it's always a little bit, just a little bit out of our grasp and suddenly you've reached the end of your life and your life has flashed by while you were chasing happiness and never really attaining it. Happiness is what happens while pursuing something more noble than the pursuit of happiness. I'll give that to you again. Happiness is what happens while pursuing something more noble than the pursuit of happiness. For a Christian, the answer to the question, what does a well-lived life look like? For the Christian, the answer is obvious. It's the life of Jesus Christ. The logos of divine love made human flesh. Jesus Christ is the love of the triune God incarnated as a human being. When we look at the life of Jesus, we know what the love of God looks like. It looks like that, ultimately. That's the, the final and fullest, highest expression. Co-suffering, sacrificial. No, no one has greater love than this than he laid down his life for his friends. 
Here's the problem, though. We really don't know how to live our human lives well instinctually. And this is a mystery to me. Whatever we mean by the fall, which can be a problematic theological term, but it has its place. Whatever we mean by the fall, it has something to do with this, our inability to instinctually go about the business of living a proper human life. So, so you have not been left alone in the abyss of non-being. You've been invited to the party. You've been called and brought into the beautiful mystery of existence. And not only that, you have been brought into the beautiful mystery of existence, not as a rock, not as a oak tree, as fine as that might be, not as a horse, but as a human being in the image of God. But something has happened somewhere along the way in that humans are the only earthly creatures who regularly and profoundly fail to reach their telos, that is to become what they were meant to be. The problem of the world is not oak trees don't know how to be oak trees. They're good at it. Just they're good at it. Rocks are good at being rocks. I mean, how hard can it be? But I mean, they do very well. We move on up a little higher, you know. Kangaroos are good at kangaroo-ness. They just got that hopping thing down. Right? Hippopotamuses are good at being hippopotamuses. Your cat is more or less good at being a cat, you know, most of the time. Humans, though, and, and by the way, we'll just keep it in the animal world. The chimpanzee, the, the horse, the aardvark, the kangaroo, the cat, the dog, the wolf, they live into their wolfness by instinct. They just know how to go about the business of being a wolf. We don't know instinctually how to go about being a human. Have you ever thought about that? Something's gone wrong. That if we just, well, I'll just, I'll just do whatever seems right. And man, it is not right. We just end up being selfish, mean, cruel, taking advantage of other people. And it just compounds the sorrow of the world. The only thing that's wrong on this beautiful blue planet is us. <laughs> We're the problem. We're the problem. We don't seem to know how to go about the business of being human. So the word of God came among us as a human life. To not only show us that life, but to give us that life, to invite us to participate in that life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus comes that we might have, we don't know how, we, we're not getting our human life right. Jesus comes that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But remember, remember, I mean, we think, okay, well, I want an abundant life. I want the good life. I want a life that puts me in the running for the hero's death where I can honestly say life ain't always empty. What is that? And so much of the time we end up thinking, I've got to acquire some things. Acquisition. But we heard in our gospel reading today, Jesus tell us just flat out, 
that your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We, we know that, right? We know that, but then we don't know that. When we hear it said, we know it's true, and yet our default mode tends to be to lean toward, if I just had some more stuff or some more power. And Jesus said, that's not the way. That's not the way. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the truth of the Father. Jesus is the life of the Father. When we participate in the life and way and truth of Jesus, guess what? We find our way back home to the Father's house where we can live as the sons and daughters of God. That is, be human like we're supposed to be. Amen. Let's see. I never look at my watch, but I just did. Okay, I had just a little more time. Actually, I got a huge clock back there, but I think it's wrong this time. Because it says I've only gone 19 minutes, and I know that's not true. Um, what do I have time for? When we talk about salvation, what do we talk about being saved? We're talking about you being saved, you. Heaven and hell minimalism reduces salvation to a matter of post-mortem placement. Getting your reservation for the good place. That cheapens salvation. What is being saved is you, 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 your being, your life, your soul, however you want to say it, what you're meant to be. You know my story, most of you do. November 9th, 1974, 15 year old teenager, Jesus saved me. I mean, he really did. Jesus saved me. I was right on the precipice of heading down some very destructive paths. And believe me, I know myself well enough. That if I had chosen to go down destructive paths, I would have gone down them with great determination. And Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. But 30 years later, I needed more saving. Because at age 45, I was slowly being erased. And I was becoming something other than who I am. I mean, it wasn't... I, it was... I don't know, there's no one to blame, not even myself. It's just, you know, a Jesus movement and the Jesus movement led me into the charismatic movement and then I'm a pastor and, and I'm just sort of following the script. But by midlife, I was, I realized I'm becoming someone that's not me. And so I got born again, again. Jesus saved me again. He helped me find my way back to who I was really supposed to be. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing, to become who you're meant to be. That is a deep work of salvation. And I remember at that time reading Soren Kierkegaard, and he says in one line, he says, now with God's help, I shall become myself. And I understood that. Got a little plaque in my study. It just stays there. Now, with God's help, I shall become myself. That is a deep work of salvation because what we're trying to save is, our, I mean, what's, it, what's it profit you if you gain all the things you're pursuing, gain the whole world, but you lose yourself. You lose your soul. You become something you were never meant to be. Life ain't always empty. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the father, full 
full of grace and truth. And of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. And that grace is on this table. An invitation to participate in the life of Jesus as he gives us his life, his body, his blood, and the bread and the wine. Stand up with me. Life ain't always empty, my friends. Let's confess our Christian faith and then confess our sins and receive forgiveness and then come to the grace of fullness that is offered to us in Holy Communion. Confess with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.